0: Doctors, the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your Community Radio 3CR.
1: We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution.
0: Hello and welcome to the Doin' Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And it's approximately four o'clock. And Peter's here too in the studio pushing oh, buttons. Hi. Yeah. yeah, so um, first up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Ian um, from the, the Refugee... Action Coalition, and he will have to correct me on that, because it's a real mouthful. Um, so he he'll, he'll be introducing himself presently, and we will be speaking with Ian about um, a hunger strike which I need to get a current update on, but apparently as of the 15th of January, hunger strikes started over immigration detention visits restrictions. And over 200 detainees at two detention centres, Villawood in Sydney and Maribyrnong in Melbourne, have declared a hunger strike in protest at visiting restrictions recently announced by Border Force. Um, The detainees have been on hunger strike for more than 24 hours um, of last week, since the morning of Monday, 15th of January. Posters declaring the changes would apply after 22nd of January, um, which went unannounced last week. And Ian will be speaking about those restrictions and policies, um, which are quite quite atrocious, Um, basically, just to summarise, they have to be given five days' notice of any visit and fill in lots of draconian five-page forms with actual visits restricted to one-on-one. But he'll be talking about that later. Um, And then after Ian, we will be speaking with um, Sophie Ellis from the Flemington-Kensington Community Legal Centre about Corinna... um, Corinna Horvath, who was assaulted by police in 1996 and she was hospitalised for five days. As a result of that, we will be speaking to her about some current updates in relation to court cases and trials in regards to police officers. We'll also speak to her about the human rights of the victims Um, and the complaints that are brought to police and having having a look at some of the ways that we can improve those violations of human rights in regards to the UN and Parliament and we're now going to be speaking with Ian hello Ian welcome to the program
2: yeah thanks very much hi hi
0: it's so lovely to have you Ian and I'm just wondering if you could just correct me on your title and what where you're from
2: no, you were, yep, spot on. Yep, that's, that's Ian Rintoul from the Refugee Action Coalition in Sydney. Yeah, it's Refugee Action Collective in Melbourne. I know that. it is confusing, but... It,
0: yeah, yep, I was but, spot on. Oh, that's great.
2: But, yeah, I go by lots of names, but, yeah, RAC's fine. As we all do yeah.
0: when we're activists. But thank you, Ian. Um, now, I'm just wondering if you could just speak about what's happened with the hunger strike of these 200 detainees at two, and, and, and talk about some of the background in relation to the new policies.
2: Um, yeah, well there's been some, some changes. Uh, so the people who are on hunger strike at Maribyrnong you know, are not on hunger strike anymore and quite a few of the people at Villawood, you know, has also, you know, come down. But some people are, you know, that's just, it's uh, seven days now, uh, you know, are sort of sticking out over those over those changes because the changes means uh, a lot a lot to them Uh, and certainly the the, you know the hunger strikers brought to the uh, changes brought attention to the changes um and a lot of the people you know the visitors who you know previously perhaps thought it was a fait accompli have um you know now been registering their you know their complaints and protests at the restrictions um, because it is, it's almost like the uh, the border force is, you know, trying to. Uh, well, they're, not, they're They are trying to make visiting much more difficult, um, and effectively making it you know, almost impossible for people uh, to be able to, you know, to drop into the detention centres uh, mm-hmm. to see people as much as uh, you know as much as they like. So they're putting a huge obstacle uh, to visiting, which makes no sense, you know, whatsoever.
0: So basically, they have to fill in a five-page form.
2: Is that right? Yes. I mean, the first thing is, I have got to give um, you know five days' notice. Um, So you know, it means if you want to see you know sort of uh, your your friend or your relative, your partner, you know, in you know two days in a row, you've got to fill out those forms and make the make the application. You know, five days you know beforehand. Now, there's very few people who know that they. You know what they're doing in you know five days ahead. You know, can make, how do you make arrangements to know whether you've got to you know drop off the kids at school, whether you've got a you know sick mother you've got to see, and um, so you've got the first thing is the five days notice. The second thing is the, uh, the is the form itself. Uh, it's you know five or six pages long. Uh, a lot of information uh, is is needs to be provided including a lot of information about uh the particular person uh, it's not always information that people have you know their number their date of birth um other other information that, that people would not normally have about people who they want to you know want to visit you've got to put down information you know about yourself and criminal background uh for our example um so that's also you know a difficulty and then there's the question of the hundred points of identification uh which may be easier for uh People who are, you know, Aussies, if you like, um, um, but uh, people who have non-English speaking, you know, backgrounds. Um, but even, even for many people who've got driver's driver's license only count is only going to count as 40 points. Um, so they're really asking for passports. Uh, passport will be 100 points. But of course, you know, if you haven't got a passport, uh, they're they're wanting now identification of the same level for people who are for kids who are under, you know, 16 or under. Um, and that creates greater difficulties to have, you know, a hundred points with uh, photo ID, you know, for people who are, you know, young members of your young members of your family. So there are all kinds of those restrictions. As I said, but they're, they're really designed to make it as hard as possible uh, to be able to visit someone in a detention centre, rather than making it as 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 easy as possible.
0: Absolutely, and in fact, people who are low income, even if they are Aussies, wouldn't be able to afford a passport. And then not to mention, you know, people also to mention people with disabilities who don't have a driver's license all non
2: English yeah no look there's all all kinds of all kinds of people in the community you are not going who're going to find it hard to get those hundred points uh, that you you're not going to be prior notification you're going to show up at the detention center uh, I know Maribanongs and mitre are not the, the easiest places to get to Villawoods not the easiest place no, to get to isn't. to spend a couple of hours travel uh, to get to the detention center and find out that there's some problem with your ID, some problem with the form, some reason border forces excluded you, um is going to make you know that you know yeah that just a extra obstacle. Um and it won't take too many times of being knocked back, you know, when uh, it's you know people will be very very tired of you know trying to jump through the hoops. Yeah. ian
0: also um and Peter you you could possibly comment on this if you wanted to but um, I've I've visited Mita and Peter also has two down at Broadmeadows. Yeah, and usually what tended to happen is that we'd be able to go in and sit at a table mm. with all the de- you know as many de- detainees have wanted to sit there. Yep, e- and you'd be able to put more than one person on your visitors list and yep. organise that. And people, you'd be able to sit down and, and like in, in the words of one detainee, he said to me, I like the way we can all sit down like a family and obviously, yeah. you know, and, and eat the food. Now, obviously, when you're in prison, you can serve your time and it's not indefinite and you get out, okay? When your sentence is finished, you get out. In prison, you've got to visit one person at a time, don't you? Are they organising that there too
2: in the centre? Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, so it will be it will be one on one. You'll be able to make an application to see one person, although two people can make an application to see the same one person at a time. But you can't make an, uh, an application to see two people. And if that person's uh, not available for some particular uh, reason, uh, you're not able to change uh, you know, who you can uh, who you can visit. Uh so you know, that's another issue. It means you can see one person at one time, you know, per you know, per visit. And as you said it will also remove the possibility of being able to um interact, uh being able to see you know, see people relatively freely in the you know, in the vis- in the visitor centre. Yeah. Um and that's that's what they're that's what it's designed to do. It's it's designed to make it much more like prison.
0: Yeah, it gets people out of their um like rooms and everyone comes in and visits in the visitor centre and Hmm. Yep. Enjoy each other like like a family. Was sort of saying. Also, um, one of my friends, she was saying that um, she's tried to fill out an application online. Yeah, and there's about ten boxes that were red that she couldn't answer, and that's, so she couldn't visit.
2: Cause of that. That's that's right. It's not it's not clear whether you, whether not being able to answer some of those boxes is going to mean a rejection. I mean, when mm. I went to Villawood um you, I, you know, filled out, had to fill out the form there. It was, you know, it's from the twenty-second. It's meant to come into force, um, yeah. and I had to fill out the form there. Well, some things I just didn't know, and I didn't fill it out. I, I got in, but you know, I, I said. It. I, at the time, whether that continues to happen after the 22nd, we don't we don't know. I mean, I could sort of you know bluff my way, push my way with the person who's at the counter you know, on that particular day to say, look, you know, I've been visiting this person actually for eight years. You know, um, I don't know their date of birth. You know, but <laughs> you've got you've got the, the date of birth on your form. Uh, I don't see why I need to know that date of birth. I know the I know the name. Uh, you've got the name. We both know that she's in here. So. How about we just go ahead with the visit and you know, forget about this other nonsense that I meant to be able to provide a immigration number, date of birth? Um you know, and so yeah. forth. That worked uh at that you know, on that day. Uh, but you can see quite easily that if you haven't filled in, you know, particular boxes you could be excluded and you're not gonna find out till you show up to 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 visit.
0: Depends on um which um officer there is too. <laughs>
2: Yes, but it may well be you know, all these applications. what I was told is they're going to go to border force to be vetted, so some bureaucrat is going to sit somewhere exactly. on online off site you know process these things and send then send a list of who can visit to the uh, to the detention centre, so the decisions are going to be made by border force you know off site so there's going to be much less scope or if any scope. Uh, and I've seen it myself. You know, people have been, you know, come from a long way, sometimes in the state and have been turned away. You know, at the at the detention centre because of, you know, some, you know, they only gave twenty three hours notice and not twenty four hours notice, or whatever. Some some, you know, piece of nonsense. You know, and I think the other thing people need to understand is that these changes come along with you know, changes about, you know, the ability to be able to bring food in. You know, you talked about being able to have food and sit down, you know, like a family. Well, some families now are not able to do that because part of the restrictions, although it's being challenged in court, the Border Force have already introduced is that it is only packaged food with use-by dates on yeah, them right. uh, that are going to be able to come in. So it's ruled ah. out the possibilities of bringing fruit, uh, for example, of bringing cooked food, home-cooked food, of even bringing, you know, takeaway from, you know, sort of your you know, your favourite. You you know, uh, you know restaurant or your favourite food that you might you might have you can't do that anymore. You got to bring you know chips and you know biscuits and you know twisties.
0: Yeah, because I made a lentil soup and brought it in one time.
2: Yeah, that's that'll be out. I mean, that's going to gonna be out, packet, so we can't bring any is, pieces of fruit or nope.
0: you know any nope. any hot food to nope. the, the warming and comforting. It's been no. happening
2: to me, for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's anyway. Yeah. So when does that actually go? In, does that go to Parliament? Does it?
2: Uh, no, it's actually just a regulation which is going to be enforced by, you know, by Border Force as of the 22nd, now they say, which is what it does today. What?
0: So it's not even going to be debated in Parliament?
2: No, it's just a regulation that's going to be enforced in the same way that other regulations have changed. You know, like when they, you know, even the 24-hour notice was restrictive enough and we kicked up a fuss of, you know, about that when that was introduced in, you know, Sydney. It be, maybe it's a year ago now. Maybe it's not quite that, but um, but that just you know, that just came in, the weight of it just came in, the changes to food. I mean, is it, that is being challenged in court. The attempt to ban mobile phones is also being, you know, challenged in court, but um, people haven't seen a way to actually challenge these um, these visiting restrictions yet.
0: Yeah, look, this is just very cruel, degrading treatment. It's a violation of human rights, and, and Mr Dutton is in top form, isn't
2: he? Uh, yeah, it's, what's, you know, it's what, you know, Dutton is, you know, sort of, making a particular practice of, uh, of of this kind of be this kind of behaviour. And I uh, said it is it's border force. You know, border force is attempting to militarise its control, you know, of the detention centers. It's painted part of, you know, continuing to criminalize, you know, sort of people, uh, who whether they are, you know, the 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 asylum seekers who have committed, you know, no crime whatsoever, increasingly they're you know, it's five oh ones, you know, people whose visas have been cancelled, but they're people who have been before the court system, who've done their time. They should not be uh, subjected for the punishment at the discretion of a you know of an immigration minister.
0: Absolutely not, Ian. Thank you so much for coming onto the program. We'll be interviewing um, Sophie Ellis next about Karina Holveth um, and the deplorable assault by police, and looking at how that's going. It's approximately four fourteen, and you're listening to an interview with Ian from the Refugee Action Coalition. Thank you so much, Ian. Okay. Take yep. care yep. of yourself. Yeah, thanks, so, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Bye bye bye. Bye. Bye, bye. bye bye. bye bye. And that was um, Ian um, from the Refugee Action Coalition in Sydney, um, speaking about some policies um, that and regulations that will affect and restrict um, the visits to detainees. And so pretty soon we're going to be speaking with um, Sophie Ellis from Flemington-Kensington Community Legal Centre. In 1996, 21-year-old Karina Horvath was assaulted by police during an unlawful raid on her Melbourne home. Her nose was broken and a tooth chipped. She was hospitalised for five days. In 2001... Miss Horvath won a civil case at the County Court. After 40 days of evidence, the judge found police had committed trespass, assault, unlawful arrest and false imprisonment and awarded Miss Horvath $143,525 in compensation. This amount was reduced on appeal and Miss Horvath was denied leave to appeal to the High Court. In Victoria, individual police officers, rather than the state, are liable to pay damages for unlawful conduct. Where a police officer is unable to pay, the victim can go uncompensated. Further, none of the police involved has been disciplined or prosecuted by the state. Ms Horvath seeks adequate compensation and effective discipline of the police officers involved. In 2014, the, U- the UN Human Rights Committee found that Ms Horvath's right to an effective remedy was violated in relation to the cruel, inhuman or degrading treatment, arbitrary arrest and detention to which she was subjected and the interference with her home and privacy. The committee recommended le- legislative reform in Victoria and ad- adequate compensation for Miss Horvath. So we're going to be speaking with Sophie very soon and I took the liberty of actually quoting some material from the website, um, a number of websites actually, just to highlight um, and introduce, given that this is a very complex matter. When we speak to um, Sophie, I just wanted to make it clear that Sophie is no longer the lawyer for Corinna. She was originally her lawyer and the matter has been referred to IBAC Obviously, the Doin' Time show has done extensive coverage on Corinna and, in fact, recorded an event off-site where she was able to speak about it. It's taken 18 years for all this to be resolved, and it's not even resolved yet. Mm. So we'll be speaking with Sophie presently. We do have to be careful about contempt of court. We're not going to be discussing stra- legal strategy on air. We're just going to be speaking about the update and looking at what's happening in um, with police investigating police. But we will speak about um, the, the the information surrounding Corinna and what's happening with the committal and, and other issues. So, yeah, it's approximately 4.17 and um, I'm going to be go- lining up Corinna now. Uh, sorry, um, Sophie now. And you're back with the Doing Time Show and... We're speaking now with Sophie Ellis from Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre. As I said in my introduction, we're going to be speaking about Corinna Horvath and um and speak about her background and what's happening currently. Hello Sophie, welcome to the program.
1: Hi Marissa, thanks for having me.
0: It's lovely to have you and we've got Peter here as well, my co-host. Hi Sophie.
1: Hi Peter.
0: Now, Sophie, I'm wondering if you could just um, talk to listeners um, about what's been happening with Corinna, perhaps give a bit of background and then go into what's happening currently with her.
1: Sure, no worries. Well, um, Corinna Horvath um, is uh, a woman who um, over 20 years ago was actually um, really brutally assaulted by police um, when she was um, in her 20s. Um, And it's a really um, historic case um, because it's been tracking through our legal system for many years. um, And just this week, there's been some um, updates, which I'll come to. But essentially, uh, police were um, attending Corinna's home without a warrant. They wanted to follow up on a a road um, traffic offence that had been committed earlier that day. This is way back in 1996. And um, through that unlawful raid, Karina and other occupants in the house um, were assaulted. Karina um, was knocked unconscious, had her nose um, broken, and was hospitalised um, for days um, as a result of injuries sustained during that raid. Um, and I suppose Karina's um, case is really uh, a case that exemplifies um, how our system for police misconduct and how our oversight and investigation of police misconduct is broken in Victoria, um, because a lot of the issues um, that happened um, for Corinna, which I'll come to, are still evident in today um, in today's system. So um, what happened for Corinna after that assault was that she was charged with, a, I think, nine offences, um, which were um, ultimately um, thrown out by the magistrate's court um, and it was found that both uh, offences were brought in properly by police. Um, she went on um, to um, take a claim to um, the county court in Victoria seeking compensation for damages. Um, and ultimately, in 2001, um, it was found that police had, in fact... Um, committed a raft of tortious offences, including battery, uh, false imprisonment, malicious prosecution, um, and compensation <clears throat> was awarded um, to Karina um, and other, other people who were part of that claim. Um, but unfortunately, um, that compensation was never um, successfully um, recovered from the police defendants. What happened in that case was that the state successfully argued that they weren't liable um, for the the tortious conduct of police because um, an equivalent of the section today applies, but essentially where the police conduct is so agrarious and um, bad um, that it's basically carried out in bad faith, um, or the equivalent under today's law is serious and willful misconduct, the state can argue that it's not liable And so where the award of damage is then made um, against the individual officers, but the officers cannot pay or the are impecunious, then the victim doesn't have a complete remedy. Um, So that's what happened in Corinna's case. Um, And um, ultimately, um, she uh, took her matter to the United Nations Human Rights Committee. which governs um, and looks at how Australia is complying with its obligations under the International Covenant of Civil and Political Rights. Um, It's a a treaty that we are signatory to um, and it protects a whole raft of rights, including things like um, freedom from cruel, inhumane and degrading treatment, but also a right to an effective remedy, um, including remedies um, where rights are breached by... Um, officials of the state, like police officers, Um, and finally in 2014, um, the United Nations um, Human Rights Committee said, yes, Australia had breached its obligation to Kuna because she had never received an effective remedy um, and that it needed to um, fix the situation. And part of the reason why there wasn't an effective remedy was not only did she not receive compensation and the state didn't take responsibility for the liability of its officers, um, but it found that Karina didn't have access to an independent, impartial, prompt or effective investigation into her human rights abuses. Um, and it said, the the decision of the United Nations Human Rights Committee said that in fact, This needs to occur. Part of an effective remedy is um, requiring that human rights breaches by police officers are independently um, and promptly and effectively um, investigated. And in Corinna's case, um, she she had made a complaint about the the conduct of the officers, but it was internally investigated. um, And the internal investigation found that there wasn't sufficient evidence to um, pursue any disciplinary action against the officers. And um, despite um, the county court findings that were ultimately upheld by the Court of Appeal, that there had been um, tortious conduct carried out, um, those police officers were never disciplined. Um, So it's really very extraordinary that a a court of law can make such strong findings of of fact, um, and yet um, there is no... um, Follow through in terms of disciplinary processes, and that those officers can remain employed and on the beat, um, and you know, putting other other people at risk of, of harm
0: and be promoted. Um,
1: so, absolutely, yes, yeah, some of those officers were promoted. Um, and I suppose what's what's going on right now is that um, following the UN findings, which were obviously you know really powerful um, and a call to action for the government, um, the uh, the oversight body we have in Victoria now, which is called IBAC, the Independent Board-based Anti-Corruption Commission, um, initiated a, a review um, on its um, on Corinna's case, and um, it was um, it, it um, engaged a retired judge who recommended that the officer <coughs> um, who had broken Corinna's nose be charged. Um, so that's that slowly working its way through the system. And in, um, Officer Jenkin um, this week, um, and he began last week, is facing a committal hearing at the Magistrates' Court of Victoria um, where um, a decision will be made um, whether or not to um, indict him for a trial. Um, so oh. 20 years later, um, criminal charges are now, um, I suppose, um, the, the next step, um, in this very long, um, and really very awful process for a young woman who was really just seeking redress, um, for um, human rights protections that Terrible. she should have been afforded. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that's that's a snapshot of the case. It uh, <laughs> took a little while to go through it. No, but it's it's, ter- um, it's really know,
0: important, isn't it, Sophie? To you know to yeah. And I've let you. I wanted you to. To, to basically uh, speak at length about this which is why I, I didn't stop you in any way. I just wanted you to, to talk about it. Um, and that was great. Thank you so much. But I'm wondering oh, yeah. then um, it it's very interesting that it took so long. Mm. And just in terms of procedure the the police were the policeman was arrested no. Or are they just kind of doing a committal first to see?
1: So, sorry, say again. Was so the policeman was charged back in the day. No,
0: now, now, well, currently.
1: Um, yeah, the policeman has been charged, um, and they've been awaiting um, this committal hearing. I think the policeman, um, from memory, charges were laid last year, um, and because of you know delays in, that, in the court system, it's not until now that um, the committal hearing has has been scheduled. Um, and now the process will be following on the committal whether or not a trial proceeds.
0: Can you comment on... You mentioned before that the system in Victoria is broken, and, and I'm, I'm assuming you're meaning about police investigating police and, you know, that there's no transparency. Can you comment on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the... Um, the the biggest um, challenges Corinna had was in, in terms of accountability for what happened to her. <clears throat> As I mentioned before, the investigation was woefully inadequate, and this is what the UN also commented on in its decision um, regarding Corinna's case. So um, the victims were never called to give evidence, for example, um, and it wasn't at all victim-centred. And of course, it was also carried out internally by um, police officers, and um, we know now from the UN decision, but also from human rights law generally, um, internationally, um, and um, treaties that Australia is subject to, that um, where there are state violations of human rights alleged by police officers, that they need to be independent, they need to be effective, they need to be prompt. A transparent, um, and that's what we're calling on, and this still needs to occur. So, today in Victoria, <clears throat> um, we, st- we do have an an independent oversight body, as I mentioned, it's IBAC. Um, but um, we know from statistics um, that the overwhelming majority of complaints that are made to IBAC about police misconduct are referred back to Victoria Police for internal investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, IBAC does have um, the power to investigate um, police misconduct complaints but it only investigates a very small fraction of that. Its jurisdiction is very large it also covers public sector corruption um, so it has a host of other areas that um, it, it, it looks at and, and carries out investigations into um, we also know that um, investigations take a very long time um, you know they can take well, I've had experience as a lawyer of uh, an investigation taking upwards of one to two years um, to be carried out. Um, very rarely charges are laid um, and often um, redress is sought by a victim um, through the courts, for example, um, through a civil remedy by bringing in an, an action against an, an officer claiming um, for uh, damages, for injuries and so on. So these are all signs of, of a system that, really isn't working and um, it shouldn't take 20 years um, to get a remedy uh, um, and we, we talk about that from Ken the Horvath test and that is if someone was assaulted like Corinna was back then today um, would would they face similar hurdles and similar obstacles and um, sadly the, the answer is yes that absolutely. many of the obstacles remain and yeah um, you know, it's a, it's a really awful experience for many people, um, who understandably want to see um, their complaint investigated um, by a body other than um, the the body responsible for employing the officer that has alleged to have harmed them and, uh, and assaulted them.
0: And she couldn't even call witnesses. Corinna couldn't even call witnesses, could she? Has that changed?
1: No, no. Um, What's look,
0: the point in having um, a trial then?
1: <laughs> yeah well it was it was an internal Sorry. investigation, not a trial so,
0: yeah 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 but, um, and, but, and unlike yeah.
1: a trial where you can you know call call witnesses or a civil claim where you 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 bear the onus of proof and you can call um your witnesses Thank um you. there yeah. are there's there's very um significant flaws um and the victim doesn't have control of the process um or much input or say at all in the process um and there, I suppose one of the other issues is there's not a lot of transparency around how investigations are carried out um, to what standard they're to be carried out to. Um, and so, you know, the whole process is pretty... can be really, um, I suppose, uh, disempowering for, for a victim of, of, say, crime.
0: And basically the the, the, the victim also and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the victim doesn't have the capacity to seek a review of that decision. Is that right?
1: Well, the victim can seek a review of an internal um, decision um, to um, IBAC, um, but, um, and there, there is an oversight body for IBAC as well. Um, but, um, you know, the, the jurisdiction for review is relatively narrow, um, and... You
0: know, a lot of the time, by the time a person's gone through that process, um, they feel so disempowered and disillusioned that they don't necessarily take that step. Yeah, and so just to um, compare and and clarify, um, Sophie, and and thank you so much for for coming on because it is quite complex, isn't it? Bear with me here. but um, okay. In terms of the, the current trial then, obviously then, Corinna, would be able to call her witnesses. That's right. Yes. So um, if, the if, witnesses if, can come. If,
1: if that's, so um, if, if um, this, this is a criminal trial, so it's, uh, if, if um, the officer is in fact committed to trial, um, then the IBAC, which is bringing these proceedings, um, will um, have witnesses that they call and... Witnesses on both side, defence and prosecution, will be called um, to give evidence. Obviously, um, you know there are, um, without wanting to comment too much no, no, on the no. case, um, having a criminal trial, you know, um, so many years later is mm. never ideal. Um, no. And this is this is why we say it's really important that investigations are carried out promptly as well, um, so that there, if investigations do find impropriety, then other judicial processes can, you know, take their proper course. Um,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Now, we were speaking <clears throat> off-air today, Sophie, um, about the submission um, that was produced by Remedy Australia, which is um, the submission to IBRAC inquiry into the external oversight of police corruption. And I found that to be a very informative submission. Wouldn't you
1: agree? Yeah, it was a fabulous submission. Um, I'm ha- ha- very happy to talk about that. Um, it was a submission, as you said, to <coughs> this um, parliamentary committee's um, inquiry, mm. which is currently on foot in Victoria. So yes. um, there's a it's essentially a committee that's set up to oversee IBAC and how it's operating. Um, and it's examining um, how police corruption and misconduct. Um, is overseen in Victoria <clears throat> and one of the questions is whether or not there needs to be um, changes to the current system um, including um, you know investigations of police misconduct the committee is due to report on the 30th of June and there's a public um, submission process that that's just um, concluded um, but it will be having public hearings good um, at some point which um, people can look out for because I uh, understand that um, you'll be able to attend. They'll be open to the public um, at Parliament House. But um, Remedy um, pointed out to um, the inquiry um, that there needs to be changes and that uh, the the recommendations of the UN decision in the Horvath case haven't, in fact, been fully implemented. Um, So... um, And one of the key things that needs to change, um, which hasn't been implemented by the government yet, um, despite the UN decision in Horvath, is this need for um, independent um, and effective and transparent and victim-centred investigations. Um, And so that's what um, one of their recommendations um, is is calling for, I mean, in terms of um, remedy submission.
0: Interesting. Yeah, because I'll tell you, one of the things that really impressed me about the submission is the way that they, that um, the organisation spoke about amending the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act 2006 in Victoria um, to that's include right. the right to an effective and enforceable remedy of any person whose rights yeah, are violated. That's right. And I
1: think that's, you know, I mean, this, this, um, this inquiry is a fabulous opportunity for the government to really step up. Um, and Victoria especially, I mean, we should be leading the nation on this. We do have um, a Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities. Um, and um, as as you read in um, Remedies Submission, um, we don't have a, um, a clear right um, that is specifically set out in the Charter for um, the right to an effective remedy, including independent investigations. And unfortunately, the um, uh, there was a case that ran um, recently, Barry and Small, where this question of whether or not there was an implied right um, to um, an independent investigation um, of of police um, misconduct was was run, and uh, fortunately, the court um, found against um, the applicant in that matter. So, there is a, a need to clarify the law. Um, and clarify Australia's obligations, um, which should mirror um, um, obligations set out uh, under the UK Human Rights Act. So um, this inquiry, um, again, brings home um, a chance to remedy that. Um, And interestingly, back in 2015, we had a a review of the charter, um, and the government... Um, did um, endorse one of the recommendations by that independent review that um, IBAC be given the capacity to investigate allegations of serious human rights abuses by police and PSOs. So, again, this um, inquiry is is a chance to put that, um, um, I suppose, (laughs) agreement by the government into action and actually legislate to have, you know, really a really good um, investigative capabilities by an independent body which will restore i think you know public confidence in, in the police complaint system
0: absolutely and and in fact um you know the equality is not the same scheme that Victoria Police has undertaken to include human rights standards to police training apparently that's not ongoing that's only for new recruits and I believe that Flem Ken had a lot of did a lot of work to uh, you know to get that happening. Um, and then, of course, you've you've got the the other recommendation from Remedy Australia, which which um, talks about the police having um, human rights training, which is which is terribly important.
1: That's right, um, and it's really important that police, you know, um, right through from new recruits um, to Experienced officers who have been um, in the force for, you know, many, many years for ongoing and renewed training around human rights. Um, so I think the recommendations that um, Remedies um, put forward are really fantastic ones that, you know, the government should really be paying um, attention to.
0: It's approximately 4.44 and you're listening to an interview with Sophie Ellis from Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre. Speaking about Corinna Horvath and some of the serious implications and, um, of her case, and also looking at the inquiry. Now, just to ask you, Sophie, so that listeners are aware, this inquiry is an inquiry before federal parliament?
1: That's um, before the state parliament. State parliament. parliament. Thank
0: you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I wish it was federal. <laughs>
1: That's right. It's something that really should be examined in every every jurisdiction in Australia, both um, federally and at at, um, state and territory levels um, because, obviously, um, I think, you know, um, it's pretty safe to say that um, police are getting uh, expanded powers um, and, you know, powers to use force um, and powers to take life. And when you're given such... um, incredible power. There's obviously responsibility and there's a responsibility on the on the state to make sure that um, allegations that those powers are abused um, are investigated um, properly um, according to international um, law and Australia's obligations to international law. Let's
0: hope that Corinna does get justice um it's and we'll be the do in time show we'll be keeping an eye on that trial and we can perhaps talk about that once the trial is over but in terms of um you know a best practice model i believe that in northern ireland there's a police ombudsman um and yeah and and it's 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 a pretty good system over there at the moment isn't it yeah that's
1: right so um The Northern Ireland model um, is an independent model where um, police complaints um, and use of um, complaints around use of deadly force against um, citizens are independently investigated um, by the Ombudsman.
0: Yeah, like there's a civilian oversight here of policing and rehabilitation, isn't there? That's uh, right. uh, Of the police service. That's right. Fantastic. Well, we, we're we behind. We've got to get with the program here.
1: <laughs> we do. Um, and there's a lot of models, you know. I mean, best pack, best practice shows, you know, a- across the world, there are a lot of models of really successful civilian oversight um, that have both the confidence of um, the people and the police. And um, Pony, um, the police officer in Northern Ireland, um, annual reports, you know, consistently show um, a high level of support amongst both police and and civilians in how that agency is going with its investigative um, functions which is really fantastic and it's a you know it's a great measure of um, you know what's working
0: absolutely and so we're, we're nearing the end of the interview but you know listeners just wanted to I suppose have listeners just think for a moment how awful it would be to have your home invaded unlawfully, to be raided, um, to be bashed like Ms Horvath was, to have her nose broken and to be hospitalised for five days and then for it to take um, approximately 18 years to have that complaint you know acknowledged and it's it's extremely difficult and and I think that this this show that we're doing now um, we we are very committed to to having people on here who are deprived of a voice and also speaking to their representatives and getting information out there so that People can make compl- effective complaints, but if the system is broken, if police are not, uh, if police are investigating police, that can become doubly difficult.
1: Absolutely.
0: Do you have any final comments, uh, Sophie?
1: No. Um. Other than to say, you know, I, I really hope that, um, you know, this inquiry it presents an opportunity for a really robust examination into what's going on um, with our, um, you know. our our policing oversight and investigation um, system in Victoria Um, and, you know, it would be fabulous for um, as many um, Victorians who are interested to engage with it um, and with the report and we'll obviously be watching very closely um, to see what recommendations are made by the committee um, but also the government's response and um, certainly we'll be... um, hoping that the government um, uses this opportunity to make some real changes, which are really um, sorely needed. Um, well, one of the big changes that is also um, necessary is for the state to be liable for all um, police um, tortious conduct. So um, and currently, which is another point that the remedy submission made, um, where, um, where the state can successfully argue that the conducts um, is serious and willful um, in, a, in a civil claim and the the damages lie against um, the officer. So uh, a victim will still have to pursue that officer for compensation despite an, a court award. And uh, there's been some changes in that, you know, once the, the victim's tried to pursue, you know, every avenue possible to, to get compensation and still can't, then the state has to pay an amount... But it's still not clear what that is. Um, and you know this is very reminiscent of of Corinna's case um many years later. So um so many of those hurdles still exist today for people, um and it's really it's not good enough. Um, so yeah, we're hoping for some really positive changes um this year, so look out for them and um uh, we'll see how we go with with reform on deck.
0: I hope so. I hope so. And. Uh and again, let's let's have let's have justice for Karina. That's
1: right. Well, great to talk to you guys. You too. Again, Thank for you. the opportunity to be on the show and chat about the case.
0: Thanks a lot. Take care. Keep up keep up uh, up the good work. Bye. Thank bye. you. Bye. bye. And that was Sophie Ellis from Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre, speaking about Corinna Horvath, and um, we actually have some current information there that there's a policeman going on trial. Fee for the unlawful raid and and bashing that happened in 996 just very quickly remedy Australia is a national non-governmental non-profit human rights monitoring organization which believes Australia should comply with UN decisions on human rights complaints both both past and future mm. and they're very much into um, helping to um, make helping the UN or believing that the UN should be more powerful. And their website, if you want to have a look, is um, www.remedyorg.au. And it's approximately 4.52. I'm not sure if we've got time for an announcement before we finish, Peter. Yep, go for it. Thank you. You're listening to three CR eight fifty five on the AM dial. And you're back with the Doin' Time Show. Thank you to all our guests for coming in. Listen to the bod- podcast if you missed um, some or all of the show, and stay tuned every Monday from four to five PM for the Doin' Time Show. We're going out now with our theme song, "Black Fellow, White Fellow" from the Rumpy Band. It's goodbye from Marissa. Thanks, guys. Um, have a good week. And beyond um, see beyond, you're up next. See you soon.
2: commitment on a weekly basis i'm far from addicted get fueled up so i will stay alert this is how i motivate this is how i work i will explain more in the second verse there's less to hide for what it's worth thanks to
1: andrew mcsweeney how do i thank you dearly this song is how you could hear me tune in hoping it's saying clearly Now I'm in the panel running it like a pro. I am the DJ, I am the host. Give me your music, I'm willing to promote. Urban Voices is the name of my show. The sound is bouncing.